welcome to everyone online, because you didn't hear anything I just said. Um, it was, I said it's awesome to see everybody here today, uh, but it's really bittersweet for me because uh, not all of us are able to gather, even though we have a room full of people this morning. Um, so I want to start, I just want to start by praying uh, Psalm 46 together. So please pray with me. So God, you're our refuge, you're our safe place, you're our strength. You, God, are an ever-present help in times of trouble. And we have felt the trouble, we have felt our need for you, but the reality is we've always needed you. Every breath we take, every every heartbeat we have is a gift. Therefore, because you're in charge and because you're good, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake in their surging, the Lord Almighty, you are with us. You, the God of Jacob, the one who wrestled with God, you are our fortress. So we turn to you this morning. Lord Jesus, would you make yourself uh, present? Would you make yourself make us aware of your presence just as we sang? We love you. Thank you for loving us so much more. Amen. So we have all these kids, and there's this murmur of activity, and we just want to say that's wonderful. It's beautiful. And, and we expect kids to be kids. So uh, do your best. I'll do my best to engage the kids. I've got a little something for them. So hopefully, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll engage today pretty well. So I just wanted to start by saying, as, as I prayed about direction, like where, what should we talk about when we get back together? We'd been going through the Bible story by the books. And uh, we're going to take a little break from that. Uh, because I sensed that in order to make the most of this moment in time that we're living through, in order to uh, help aid us and encourage us towards living in community and on mission, we really need to uh, spend some time talking about our humanity, uh, both for us and for the people that live around us um, in our spheres of influence. And so here's what I was planning. Uh, And what we will do in the coming weeks is we're going to talk about what does it mean to be human? What does it mean to be made in the image of God? And also, what, what is the impact of sin on us as humanity? And how in Jesus we see and know God's good design and his intentions for us. And so again, our purpose in all of this is in order to focus on community and mission. So, um, yeah, all of that was planned and kind of brewing in my heart before I heard about the death of George Floyd. When one image bearer unjustly killed another one, and the world is now calling, raging for justice, and we serve a God who demands justice, the God of justice. And so this week, I just wanted to take a moment and encourage you as this local church 
to what I am praying and hoping the global church would do in response. And, and it's this. I know there's a lot of distractions, but I want you to hear this this morning. Our response should be to share and show the gospel. Jesus is the hope of the world. And we are called to be ready to give an answer for the hope that we have. That assumes that we are living with hope. And, and that same verse, called to be ready to give an answer for the hope that you have and to do it with gentleness and respect. So by no means do I have all the answers, but what I want to communicate this morning is we must give an answer for the hope that we have. This week, I've been heartbroken, and I cannot imagine the heartbreak that others are feeling, but we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Our hope is alive because Jesus is alive. And so we must give an answer for the hope that we have, but we must do so with gentleness and respect. So kids, I need a volunteer who can help me to show what a false dichotomy is. <laughs> Judah, Judah, I see, I see you standing. Is, is, seriously, is there one? Okay, come on up, come on up, Declan. Come on, Declan. All right. So Declan, Declan, that's great. Do you like candy? Mm-hmm. All right. So, you know, which of these candies or, you know, which would you like? The Starburst? Go for it, man. Now, what if I told you that you could have this one too? Interested? You can have it. Look. Oh, wait, wait, we're not done. What about these? Airhead, now and later? What do you think? Would you, would you want more? You could share it with your friends? You want those? I like Airhead. Oh, okay. You don't want that other one? And I like Oh, you like that too. All right, go, go for it. That's all. Thanks. Good job. And uh, I need uh, parents or whoever wants to come and get these bags. This extra. Uh, there's some bags of candy to distribute. So if you could help me distribute those. Here's the whole idea behind a false dichotomy. When something is presented to you, like I presented to Declan, as an either or, you kind of assume, oh, you can only just have one of them. But the reason it's a false dichotomy is there's actually more than just two options. Okay? And, and that's today's message, is that truth exposes falsehood of all kinds just as light exposes whatever is in darkness. So we're presented with false dichotomies all the time. Um, When you're talking about someone's personality, uh, you might say, oh, they're a thinker or they're a feeler. The reality is that thinkers feel and feelers think. Sometimes we, we feel it, like when we're communicating with someone, oh, they didn't return my text. Maybe they're upset at me. If the relationship is kind of, on, on the rocks, uh, if, if they would have responded, you know, then it would show we're okay. But the reality is they could have just not responded because they were busy. And this is one I've seen a lot, not just this last week, but in the last few years, is post something on social media or be guilty of complicitly supporting something else. Even, even like share this if you love Jesus, which implies that if you don't share it, you don't love Jesus I just got to say, that's a shame and a guilt tactic. And we're called to be motivated by love, by grace. 
So just as light exposes darkness, truth exposes falsehood. And so today's passage that I'm going to read for us is James 2, 14 through 26. And you're going to see really clearly that James deals with a false dichotomy. So I invite you to stand if you're able, uh, just to honor God's word as I read it today. James says, what good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister was, is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about his physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. You believe that there is one God. Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our ancestor Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his actions were working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled that says Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend. You see that a person is justified by what he does and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab the prostitute considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. Thanks. You can have a seat. So I'm sure... Y'all saw the, fa the false dichotomy that the Spirit of God through James exposes here. Is it faith or is it action? Which is it? It's both. It's faith in action. It's action coming out of your faith or else, according to James, according to God, it's no faith at all. And that's the whole point of this passage. James says that anybody who knows truths about God but doesn't obey God is actively put, that who doesn't obey God actively, you're, you're put in the same camp as demons. That's your company. And so James brings up Abraham, the founder of the Jewish faith, as an example. Then he brings up someone of a different ethnicity, Rahab. Very different. If you just look at Rahab and, and uh, Abraham, uh, very different lives, but same faith. And so they're paired right next to each other. And so the, the, the question that I just want to ask today and to just put forth one crystal clear biblical answer is what would it look like to put our faith in action today in light of our cultural moment? But honestly, the answer that I'm giving is timeless. No matter if it's 10 or 100 years on either side of today, what we are called to do as believers is show and tell the gospel. And the gospel is news. It's good news about Jesus' death and resurrection. We must hear God's word in order to do what it says. It's not an either or. We don't just show the gospel. We don't just tell the gospel. We must show and tell. And so to talk about false dichotomies that are just swirling around us today, um, I've heard many people say, uh, leave Jesus out of this conversation. Uh, can we just talk about George Floyd 
and what happened, the tragedy, and not talk about Jesus. And, and from the Christian side, I've heard some black Christians that I respect say, let's just grieve that an image bearer was lost. But in so doing, we're kind of ignoring a large crowd of people that are claiming an injustice happened. So I'm uncomfortable with that because we should be a people who, who want to hear like, hey, if there's systemic injustice, we want to eliminate it wherever it exists. But can we talk about George Floyd and Jesus, not either or? Can we talk about a change in systems and sin? Again, I've heard you're over-spiritualizing this issue. And I, I don't even post anything on, on Facebook or social media. I've just been listening. You're over-spiritualizing this issue if you want to talk about sin. You're not listening if you bring up Jesus. I don't believe it's an either-or. And, and lastly, can we listen and also speak? There was a personal Facebook friend of mine, it's nobody that you guys would know, uh, who posted a video that basically said, all whites just need to shut up and listen. And he was a white friend of mine. It's kind of ironic to me that the only thing that you could say is that white people shouldn't be saying anything. But we, it doesn't matter how much melanin you have in your skin. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are entrusted with the gospel. You're entrusted with the hope of the world. So can we both listen? We absolutely need to listen. But also, we have something to say. Because if we are truly for justice, we must speak of Jesus. His death was the greatest injustice that ever happened. And that injustice offers justice and peace to all people. And if we're for change, we must speak of sin's power because at the root of all evil and all oppression is sin. And if we only listen, and again, we need to listen. But if we only listen and don't speak, we end up obeying man rather than God who again has entrusted us with the message of reconciliation. And reconciliation, biblically, is first being right with man and then, or be, first being right with God and then being right with man. The root of all evil, the root of racism, is sin. It is rebellion against God. This is all a personal affront to God. And so if we simply treat the external problem without regards to the heart, the source of the problem, our efforts will prove futile. Again, reconciliation with each other, the horizontal man-to-man -man reconciliation, is a result. It's a byproduct of what happens when someone is recon reconciled to God in Christ. No peace with God, no peace with man. It's been that way since Cain and Abel. So what do we do? Again, there's a lot of answers, different answers. And, uh, you know, probably something I've said, I've probably said too much for someone here today and too little for someone else. But my focus and what I encourage your focus to be as a Christ follower is that we must share the gospel. And so the way we've been saying this is pray and pursue. What that means is you're probably not going to share the gospel in very healthy ways, very holy ways, if you don't ask God for help, if you don't ask God to change your heart and their heart and give you an opportunity and break your heart. 
So pray. And, and I didn't include this in the slide, but if you text, what is it? At OCC, Orchard Community Church, praying, then you'll get a text from us each day that I, I write. It has to be under 140 characters, so it's really small. Um, but you can pray for the lost every single day that way. And it took me about a year to see some heart change in my own life by just five-second prayers for the lost. But if we believe that the gospel is the power of God, then let's pray and pursue. This is how we put our faith into action. Five seconds a day is a lot better than nothing. It's a start. And sharing the gospel is urgent and important. We have to be ready to share, but we have to do so with gentleness and respect. And then after we give proclamation of the gospel first priority in, in our application, then I think we can also pray and ponder. And what I mean by that is God, we see injustice all over the world. It didn't start two weeks ago. Injustice has been prevalent throughout all of human history. So God, what would you have me do? We pray for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what's my place, God? Because it's not my place to do it all. There's all sorts of injustices. The killing of innocent unborn babies, victims of sexual and domestic abuse, children living without a loving family, and potential injustice by, uh, like towards groups of people and racism. And so on, on that front, I would just encourage you, if you ever hear or see anything racist, whether it's on Facebook or especially in person, then address it then and there. Don't wait till you're home. Don't write long Facebook posts about it. Don't say something under your breath to yourself. Address it. Speak the truth in love. So first we pray and pursue. Then we can pray and ponder. And thirdly, and this might catch you off guard, but here's my final application, is we talk about our own sin with each other as believers and with those that we're praying for. Why talk about your own sin? Well, because we believe we're all sinners. And because we believe that Jesus came for sinners, and because when our sin and God's grace intersects, that's where we experience God. And it might take some work for you to like connect with your own sin because it's so easy to see the dumb choices, the sinful choices of other people. But all sin is grievous to God. If you get to the root of your sin, you'll probably see some idol worship. That you've been worshiping and serving someone or something other than the creator who made you and bled for you. But before others can personally connect with you over your sin, before you can like have that horizontal connection of I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, and like, okay, we can like, that's a deep connection when we get there. You have to connect with God. We, I have to connect with God over my own sin. Even though it's all been justified and cleansed by Jesus' blood and his death on the cross, I still connect with that sin because then I, I realize God's grace for me in fresh ways. And all of this, again, the reason we're talking about this is God has called us to live in community and on mission. 
because we're all valuable. We're all made in God's image and we're all sinners falling short of God's glory. So as you, as we live towards and move towards community and mission, um, we're all going to mess up. And so when that happens, fess up and move on. I'm going to close with James' next words that he penned to the church that was dispersed and suffering. He said, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So I just want to pause and say, God, have mercy on me. And if I've said anything today that doesn't honor you, show me and show me however you want to, God, but I pray it'd be as clear as someone coming up and telling me the truth. Verse two, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. So we all stumble in many ways. But James just said that if you don't have actions that align with your faith, your faith is dead. So who has legitimate faith, James? <laughs> uh, it's not the quality of your faith, and it's not the quantity of your faith, not how much you have or how good it is. That's not what saves you. It's the object of your faith. It's who you place your faith in. And we place our faith in one who was never at fault in what he said. Our faith is alive because the one we trust is alive. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for sending your Son, fully God, fully man, put to death for our sins, raised to give us new life. Thank you for entrusting us with this good news, this hope. And again, I confess that I don't always remember how, how urgent this message is, but it's always been urgent. That doesn't mean we have to be panicked <laughs> or do it without gentleness and respect, but this is so important and so urgent. I pray that just as you've done for centuries, you would empower us, your people, to bear witness to who you are. Pray this week that we'd have opportunities to share to identify with Christ and that you would grow our hearts just by praying for the lost every day. Thank you, Jesus, for being our hope.